The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what I did was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Top two picks in many fantasy drafts are out uh, for Saquon Barkley. It's the rest of the season for Christian McCaffrey. It's going to be a few weeks as he has a high ankle sprain. We'll update you on more injuries right now on Fantasy Football Today. Your Monday edition, Adam Azer with Chris Towers and Ben Schrager. Of course, we'll have the waiver wire tomorrow with Heath and Jamie. Uh, all right, guys, and not only that, no, we got to talk about a lot of stuff. We're gonna talk about snap count, like Miles Gaskin dominating snap counts. Wait till you find out who's leading the NFL in red zone targets. Wait till you find out how many carries inside the five yard line Austin Eckler has this year. That kind of fun stuff that you need to know as a fantasy manager. Um, but my first question to you guys: Last week, I thought the waiver wire would be pretty good. Naeem Hines had an uneventful day. Benny Snell, uneventful and really bad day with bad stats and a fumble. Um, just, yeah, it was a bust. Malcolm Brown, bust. So is week two waiver wire. I guess it's the week three waiver wire going to be better than last week's waiver wire. Ben Schrager. You're going to have guys who do better. I just don't think we're going to see it as here are the top four running backs. You have to pick them up. They're all in great situations because look, I think Mike Davis is the clear cut guy. Number one, beyond that giants running backs, Deion Lewis, maybe, you know, Daryl Henderson could be great, but Malcolm Brown isn't that hurt. And then the wide receivers from last year, last week did bust pretty much all of them. But if Russell Gage is still out there, I love him. So I would say, no, it's, it's going to be a little better, but it's not going to be as clear cut as last week. And Russell Gage is like way out there. It's actually shocking. He's only 36% rostered right now. Uh, He has to be the top wide receiver, but yeah, I, I think, Week one, the the problem with early in the fantasy football season is week one, you've got all these questions. You think you get answers. You look at the Colts and you say, well, they're going to use Naheem Hines a bunch. You know, even with Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack, Naheem Hines is going to have a significant role, just like Austin Eckler did uh, in Los Angeles. And then week two comes around and he plays like 11 snaps and gets one target. And so what matters more now? Do we overreact to week two the way we overreacted to week one? That's always it's always a really difficult balance to strike. Yeah, I think look at the difference. I mean, the Colts lost to the Jaguars in week one. They were in a back and forth game and they clobbered the Vikings. 28-11 really had that game under control. 15 to 3 at halftime, 18 to 3 at the end of the quarter. So maybe they just didn't need Naheem Hines that much. But you're right. Like, let's not overreact. Uh, you know, I'm I'm concerned that the Giants are going to sign Devontae Freeman. And if you go pick up Wayne Gallman, and are we in agreement that Wayne Gallman is the guy to get instead of Deion Lewis? I'm not. I don't yeah. know why the guy who was a healthy scratch would be the guy to get. Because Barkley plays his role, and he doesn't play on special teams, Gallman. So I just don't think they needed him. And Didn't you say there was a tweet? 
Ben, uh, from a Giants beat reporter? Yeah, the Giants beat reporter before the season said if Saquon Barkley was to miss time, it would be Wayne Gallman's job. I think it's a 50-50 split if it's the case. I think Dion's shown that he could carry the load, and Wayne Gallman has also shown that he can start. I think it's a 50-50 split, but Devontae Freeman gets signed there, and things are just an even bigger mess, and Freeman would be the guy to get. Yeah, I would think if Freeman signs, the other two guys are mostly irrelevant, Um, but that offense is pretty stinky anyway, so... It is, and if Gallman is the guy, he's not going to be a p- the pass-catching guy. That's going to be Lewis. Last year, Gallman had 24 touches, um, like 110 total yards, and two touchdowns in his one start uh, against Washington. Then he, I'm not sure if he had another start and he got hurt early in that game. or Yeah, if, yeah but, but anyway, he succumbed to injury, and then Barkley came back. Uh, so and that's that's an example of opportunity where a running back isn't necessarily that good, but you get the right matchup, you get the right opportunity, you know, you can take advantage of it. So don't want to just completely poo-poo whoever's going to be the starting running back for the Giants. And then in terms of Daryl Henderson, we talked about yesterday, he's probably the number one waiver wire priority for a lot of people. Well, Malcolm Brown got hurt in that game yesterday. He hurt his finger. We don't know the severity of either Cam Akers or Malcolm Brown, but if it's not that serious for Brown, like, Daryl Henderson had uh, 12 carries. Eight of them came in the fourth quarter. And Brown only had one in the fourth quarter. So I don't know how to interpret that. <laughs> and and right as we record right now, we don't have an update on Cam Akers. So, you know, you got to make these claims. You got to take some chances. But same thing with Jarek McKinnon. Just don't know the severity for, for Tevin Coleman in particular. We do know it's a, well, it's a mild MCL injury, I think, for uh, Raheem Mostert. So, all right. I... I don't want to go around in circles. We'll have more updates tomorrow, <laughs> right? It, and McCaffrey did say today in a press conference they expect four to six weeks for him yeah. to miss. That is that sucks. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's Mike Davis is, I think, clearly the top waiver wire target. Uh, I, I would rather have him than Henderson. I would rather have him than anyone in the Giants' offense. Like that, that to me, you know, the fact that he was used, you know, targeted seven times in the fourth quarter after McCaffrey left. Uh, had like 70 receiving yards on those seven targets. He showed he can be a, a viable starting fantasy option that year in, in St. Seattle. I was actually surprised the Bears didn't use him more uh, last season. And I, I think he'll be pretty useful. Okay. The wide receivers will be interesting too. Even if Devontae Adams is fine, which I hope. I think Marquez Valdez-Scantling is still an interesting guy to pick up. Um, deeper leagues, KJ Hamler, Golden Tate. If Sterling Shepard, Sterling Shepard looks like he might miss multiple games with a toe injury. So that is all on tomorrow's show. And talk about it in our Facebook group, why don't you? Fantasy Football Today, join us, our Facebook group. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Click the link in the episode description or just search for Fantasy Football Today on Facebook and join the group, ask some questions, start sit questions, Q&As, and, uh, you know, good stuff, fun stuff. Thanks to Robert Thomas and Ben Schrager for moderating that group. So I've been talking about how it's been so high-scoring <laughs> Every time. Uh, What's that? This is like, I, I'm not always looking at Ben and Chris, just the way my setup is, but like every time I do a podcast with Chris, it's just like, oh, there's a big cat tail in Chris's face. Just like, they oh, just wait. like, they're as all soon as I start talking, they're just like, oh, it's time to walk in front of the camera and step <laughs> on the computer. And it's great. Well, so in my mind, it was like, wow, scoring must be way up. But let me give you guys the breakdown weeks one and two. 2019 versus 2020. Last year, week one, 776 points. This year, 758. 
So week one was actually higher scoring last year than this year, which was surprising because we had a bonanza of a week in week one. However, we got two games left in week two and 795 points already. Sorry, we have two teams left. We have one game left. 795 points already. That's more than week one last year. That's more than week one this year. And week two last year, 618 points. It was it was a low-scoring week. It went from 776 in week one to 618 in week two. Um, but this week has been huge. But, you know, I, I was trying to compare, like, the averages for the top 12 quarterbacks year over year. I don't, I don't think we have enough yet to just assume this is going to be a mega high-scoring season. Uh, because like week one last week, week one this year, the top 12 quarterbacks averaged 29.4 fantasy points per game. In week three last year, they averaged 29.9. You know, it's just, there's just, we need a bigger sample and it's off to a very high scoring start, especially week two. Um, But we saw that a little bit in weeks one and three last year. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts about that. I, I I just I know from my fantasy matchups, I'm like in my head, I'm like, damn, I'm having a huge week. And then you look over and your opponent is having an even bigger week, you know. Except for all the injuries because there's a oh, lot of goose that. eggs. But yes, no, it does make sense. The lack of preseason, the lack of training camp, the lack of tackling, guys can connect better on the offensive side than they can the defensive side. And that's some people were theorizing that before the season started. I would expect it to come down a little bit, but Obviously, over the years, the overall trend has been up and up and up. So it's not super surprising that it's up this year. Up so far. Yeah, we'll see what happens in week three. Um, and we'll and see th- what we get I tonight. I think there was a record in passing touchdowns for week one. I I think I saw that. I think the record previous was like 2016. Um, so I, I don't know what the difference in scoring was in week one, but... Yeah, for me, it felt like every single one of my team was like challenging a single game scoring record for my league or like last place by a mile. (laughs) That was just kind of how my week went. Um, But it's going to be impossible to say because of all the injuries, right? Like there's so many talented players, multiple starting quarterbacks, multiple number one running backs, multiple number one wide receivers. Uh, that are going down, that it's going to be hard to say what exactly this season would have looked like without that. Um, but the injury should have always been something we expected. You know, not specifically to Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey, but we saw this in Major League Baseball where there were a ton more injuries, I think like five times as many IL stints in the first like three weeks of the season than the previous year. Yeah, but that, I feel like it's a little bit different because we're not seeing like the soft tissue injuries, you sure. know, I don't know what to make of high it's, ankle it's, sprains and torn ACLs. It's not like pulled hamstrings and, and they did, pulled it hamstrings, didn't happen though. in week one though. Uh, a lot of them happened in the first like week before the season. And then a lot of them happened in week one. You, you had uh Cortland Sutton was dealing or no, yeah. he was a shoulder. That was a shoulder. There's always injuries. Kenny Galladay with a hamstring, Mike Evans with a hamstring. Yeah. I, Devontae Adams now with a hamstring. There, there were a ton of soft tissue injuries. And, and I think, you know, ligament injuries are, I'm, I'm not a doctor. Um, surprisingly, I would probably still be doing this if I was, but <laughs> I would imagine that going from no contact and limited reps to playing a, your full regular NFL role can cause an increase in, in risk of injury to ligaments as well. I don't know. I have no idea. 
Uh, all right, let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk about. So, so really, I brought up all the scoring because this question here is our email of the day at fantasyfootballcbsi.com. It is from Toto, dear Scarecrow, Tin Man, Dorothy, and the Cowardly Lion. I would not watch. Hold Wiz- the line. I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't watch Wizard of Oz if we were on TV. It's too old and boring. I was that. Sure, I, I, I wouldn't Toto watch it either. Songs. But that's an okay take, right? This is an old movie. It's really old. Uh, I was listening to the pod, and a point was brought up that I've been thinking about lately. Streaming quarterback is not what it used to be. I've had much success following your following your guidelines and drafting a quarterback late. However, this year I ended up with Wentz, who I agree with Heath when he says stinks. It's been only two weeks, but we've seen a lot of massive quarterback performances. My question is, would you give up a startable asset to go get one of the top six QBs, or are you comfortable knowing you have depth, especially given how... Week two went. Are you better off streaming the likes of Goff, Tannehill, Burrow? Or would you trade a Dobbins or a Hunt for Dak, Cam, Kyler, Josh Allen, etc.? It seems like no one has running backs. Well, I would definitely definitely, trade a Dobbins. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. that's like it depends on which guy we're talking about. If it's Dobbins, yes, I would do that. How about like I, I would trade maybe I don't know if Heath would do this, but I would trade Kareem Hunt for Kyler Murray. Yeah. Yeah, I think what you can do this week is there are a lot of fantasy managers who need running backs and you can see if you can get a top tier quarterback plus someone else. But at the end of the day, if you have Hunt as your RB4, yes, Kyler is fine. And I'm you cool know, with it for Dak too. It, it all depends on how we're, what, how we're defining late round quarterback. Matt Ryan's the number three quarterback in standard scoring. He was not an early round pick. Cam Newton's number five. Uh, also not an early round pick. Aaron Rodgers. Number six, he was certainly not. Uh, right, I know. Wentz is, was, Wentz is like the, wasn't. Wentz is the bad wasn't. example, right? You know what's that? Wentz is the bad example. Right, yeah. Like that's the right. thing is it, depending on how you like. Ben Roethlisberger's been fine through two games. Mitchell Trubisky has actually been pretty good. Uh, Garoppolo before the injury, like Jared Goff, like they. I, I just I don't think this uh, this necessarily fits. Like yes, if you have Russell Wilson, if you have. Kyler Murray, you feel a lot better about your quarterback situation, but I don't think it's necessarily true that late round and streaming type quarterbacks have been worse. I think it's more, you know, you have a couple of guys who are early round guys like Deshaun Watson and Tom Brady uh, who have been disappointing rather than anything else. I think that if you project out though, you know, the guys who look like right now that they're going to just be total studs, Mahomes and Jackson, even though Jackson had a quiet game, Mahomes and Jackson, and basically the top six, except I'm not sure about Watson. Um, of course, Swap Allen and Watson. Yeah, maybe. I mean, like we said on yesterday's show, Allen has had the Jets and the Dolphins, and Watson has had the Chiefs and the Ravens. Don't worry, things get a lot easier for Deshaun Watson. I'll have the Steelers this week, and then things will get a lot easier. But I'm worried about him, especially with Fuller injured. Um I don't know. I like these run these running court. I think there's a big difference between Kyler Murray and Ben Roethlisberger, for example, or Dak, you know, Dak Prescott and Jared Goff. Uh, and yes, you right. can get by with Goff as your quarterback, but are you going to be losing like six, seven points a week to to your opponent who has one of these top six to eight quarterbacks? So yeah, you know, I'm no. fine paying up for a quarterback because I I realize I made that mistake last year. It wasn't a mistake; it just didn't work out. I waited and waited, and I took a lot of golf. I took a lot of cam, and they busted. And this year, I was like, no, I'm getting Kyler Murray wherever I can. 
uh, I did think it was important to try to get a top six guy. And if not that, then I wanted to get like Matt Ryan, you know. Uh, so I kind of feel this email. I think there's going to be, personally, I think there's going to be a pretty big gap between the streaming guys and the whatever it settles up as top eight or whatever. And I kind of want one of them. Yeah, I. the thing I always struggle with the quarterback question is, how many quarterbacks are there who you will definitely start against everyone? Like three or four? Um, no. Like you're not sitting Wilson. You're not sitting... Uh, I would say at least six at this point. And that's the thing about the mobile quarterbacks, right? Like, Okay, so it's Mahomes, yeah. it's Mahomes, Jackson, Dak, Murray, Wilson, for sure. Not Watson for me. Um, I can't sit Josh Allen at this point. It's probably six, maybe Matt Ryan is seven at the moment. It's going to change so, throughout the year, right? Yeah, and, and that's... First of all, a lot of that's already changed. Maybe you Cam know. Newton... <laughs> Maybe. Like if the way he's running the ball. But he was a late round pick, and so is Aaron Rodgers, and so is Matt Ryan. Well, mid mid to late round pick. Late round picks in our leagues, mid round picks in most leagues. Um, and so that's why I just I I just don't quite think that this actually is really a thing. I think it's just kind of it's been two weeks and the guys who have been good for two weeks, now we're thinking they're a step ahead, but some of those guys weren't being drafted like that. And the next two weeks could yeah. show something completely different. Yeah. And honestly, if you added Gardner Minshew after week one, or if you drafted him as your streamer, I think there's a pretty good chance he's going to be a top six quarterback through the first five or six weeks of the season because his schedule is so good. All right, let's move on here. Thank you for the email, Toto. We got some more emails coming up later in the show. Fantasy football at CBSI.com. Seattle 35, New England 30. We didn't get to this game on the Sunday night podcast that we did. This was an exceptional game. Schrager, did you like that play call at the end? I did. I, there should have been some sort of pass option in there, but I liked the play. It had been working all game. You knew Pete Carroll was going to sell out for it, and you trust Cam, and it didn't work out. But I did like the play call. Seattle defended it really, really well. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, okay, so Russell Wilson has had stretches. Like Actually, it was like the first eight or nine games last year. He was the number one quarterback in fantasy. He is, throughout his history, a little bit streaky. Do we want to sell high on Russell Wilson? Do we want to sell high on Cam Newton? They're in different tiers, I would say, but at least for now. But are these sell-high quarterbacks, in your opinion? Yeah. If someone wants to give me a an RB2 for them, I'll, I'll or, or an RB1 or a wide receiver one, if someone wants to give me Julio Jones for one of those guys, yeah, I'll definitely do that. Um, because I trust my ability to find streamers who can not give you what Russell Wilson does, but who will make up that difference easier than I f- believe I can do that at running back or wide receiver. And at this point, I'd rather find a deal where I can give up Russell Wilson than I can cam because there are still a lot of cam doubters out there. And Russell Wilson does have a lot of name value in a lot of leagues and you know, cams volume is there. Russell Wilson's super efficient and he could be super efficient all year. But like you said, Adam, he has been streaky in the past, but if someone's willing to give you a startable RB, RB one slash two wide receiver one slash two. Um, and you have to give them some sort of running back plus Russell Wilson. I'm doing it because I think Russell Wilson is still, you know, in my mind, a fifth, sixth round pick. And you could, if you could get better value than that, you pull the trigger. Okay. So would you give up, would you rather have Tyler Lockett or Russell Wilson rest of season? Lock Tyler Lockett, man. 
Like, if they really are going to just be a more aerial attack here, then Russell Wilson is, is going to be more valuable than Tyler Lockett. Then they'd probably throw more than 28 times. Well, that was yeah. this game. They threw 35 times in the first game. Um, so he's at about what he averaged last year. But you're right. I mean, he's not throwing that much. He was he has eleven. He has nine touchdowns and eleven interceptions this year, or eleven incompletions this year. So <laughs> yeah, he's just playing yeah. way over his head, and there's going to be regression. Russell Wilson is, I think, on a per pass basis, arguably the best quarterback in the NFL. But you know, the volume is thirty one and a half attempts per game, so that would come up to five hundred and four. That would probably be. Uh, close to a career high. No, no, that would actually be fewer than last year. They're actually on pace for fewer pass attempts. Uh, he's not going to keep averaging 10 yards per pass attempt. He's not going to have a 14% touchdown rate all season. Um, you know, he's going to come back down to earth and that goes without saying to a certain extent, but uh, I think the narrative that, you know, let Russ cook is, is starting to take over. The Seahawks are actually changing, and they're really not changing their offensive philosophy. I, I don't agree. Well, I don't know what the... I, I don't agree. In week one, they certainly did, because they threw a lot early. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they did yesterday. Let's, I mean, they also threw a lot early yesterday. The then, Carson carries came late. Yeah, then, they, then they're doing it. Carries. They're letting him cook, man. He threw a pick yeah, six on know. the first if, possession. If, if the difference between letting Russ cook and being this frustrating team that doesn't let Russ do anything is... He's on pace for fewer attempts than last year. By okay, the, by one per game been right many now. Sacks. There, there haven't games. been many scrambles for him. Um, I mean, yesterday running for thirty nine yards was encouraging, and also both games game script they were winning. They were up. They did not have to have him cook in the second half. So I don't know. I, I'm not out on Russell Wilson by no. any means, and I still think he's the number four quarterback. But yes, it's just in general, you've got a number four quarterback. If you can sell him high to someone who's QB needy and get a very startable player, I'm doing it. Okay. Must start player. You got to get a must start player. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, news and note. Uh, by the way, Chris Carson. Yeah. I, I, this, I suspected this much. I didn't make much of the Carlos Hyde thing last week. And Carson had 17 carries to Hyde's five. And Carson now has three receiving touchdowns this year. He entered the, the season with three in his career. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, Kenny Galladay expected back this week. Michael Thomas looking like two to four weeks for him. Tyrod Taylor is apparently going to be the Chargers quarterback when healthy. I would think he's on the clock, though. If he has one bad game, things might change. I don't know who the 49ers are bringing to MetLife Stadium next week. Jimmy Garoppolo, Tevin Coleman, Raheem Mostert all injured. And then Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas on the defensive line. Both may have, uh, both may have torn their ACLs. They, uh, I don't see a... Uh, I didn't see an update on Thomas, but obviously looking bad there. Um, and yeah, the I, are they going to lose to the freaking? No, they're not. Uh, don't have a don't have an update on Cam Akers or Malcolm Brown at the moment. Sterling Shepard, like I said, could miss multiple games with a toe injury. Cortland Sutton's out for the year. Paris Campbell did not tear his ACL, but he's going to be out a little while with a knee injury. Will Fuller played through a hamstring injury. And then some defensive injuries that just kind of went under the radar. Malik Hooker out for the season for the Colts. Mm-hmm. Tavon Young looks like he's out for the season for the Ravens. will be the second straight year. Last year, he played zero games. This year, two. He's their slot cornerback, and he's really good. Um, and there's more. There's some, like, the Eagles lost another offensive lineman. I don't know the severity there. Isaac Sam- Samalu, uh, he, yeah. they can't afford another lineman, but it happened. There were there were a lot of linemen injury. I won't go through all of them. I'll, I'll update you all throughout the uh, throughout the week. The the Fuller injury was weird because they never announced anything. 
And uh, I don't think anybody like, I think Deshaun Watson was talking about like, well, he's trying to, you know, stay healthy and, and get the treatment that he needs. Uh, but the team actually never said anything. And it was just sort of, we saw him getting stretched on the sideline, but he clearly wasn't a hundred percent. Cause he only played like 60% of the snaps. It was, it was a weird situation. Well, I asked the listeners for five big questions for our Monday show. And here they are, the five best ones. Matthew T. said, why did I draft Joe Mixon so early? I don't, I, like, I don't understand the, the like, teeth gnashing with Joe Mixon. You should never, I don't want to say never, but. Be nice now. You, you should, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not even saying that. It's just, there is this tendency to draft for what you wish will happen. And sometimes that can work out really well. Christian McCaffrey coming out of his rookie season, there was some thought that maybe Tom uh, Thomas Jones. No, who was the? I can't remember. Not Thomas Jones. It was who the guy that who, they Jonathan signed? Stewart. Yeah, oh, there was right. some thought that oh, Jonathan Stewart would continue to, to split work with him. But you could say you could look at it and say, well, no, Christian McCaffrey is going to get all this passing work, and he's going to be the number one back. That can happen. Joe Mixon, three years into his career. One year under his belt with Zach Taylor, there was never a sign under Zach Taylor that they were interested in using him more in the passing game. His big second half was mostly he had 24 carries per game. That was never going to happen for a full season. So the the step forward for Mixon was either this offense is a lot, lot better, or he needed to have more passing work. And that's just never been the the case. And so nah, the only you just thing have that- to... You have to avoid wishful thinking. Well, to a certain extent, the other step forward would be he just scores more touchdowns because right, he's that's not, what I meant. The offense is much better. Okay, but yeah, but he could still score more touchdowns. You know, just sure. five rushing touchdowns last year on 278 carries. The thing is, I think I think if you need a running back right now, like this is the guy I'm targeting. First of all, he's not a 15 catch guy. He's not Sony Michelle. He's a 30 to 35 catch guy. Okay, that's valuable. You're not going to be a top five running back like that. So. Maybe without Barkley and Kamara, maybe it's possible, but almost certainly Mixon's not going to be a top five running back. Can be a top ten running back? Yeah. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. I I didn't draft him in the first round. I probably asked Schrager because he was higher on Mixon, but like he's still going to be really good. It's just he's off to a bit of a bad start. But this guy, look at you know you don't you do not have to worry about him losing carries to Bernard. You do not have to worry about him losing goal line carries. I mean, maybe it'll happen occasionally. It uh, was really, really funny when everybody was complaining about Gio being in that in that drive last week, and then he got the goal line carry that almost was a touchdown. Yeah, uh, but it's probably it's not going to It's just kind of what happens sometimes when you're on the field for the pass. Yeah, and, yeah, and when you're in the, the hurry-up offense. But Mixon, Mixon is going to get a ton of work, and you can take some solace in that. It's just... He's probably not going to be a top five guy, but I mean, Schrager, you like to mix in a lot. How are you feeling right now? Yeah, I'm feeling okay about it. in the leagues where I got him at the end of the first round. I wanted the guaranteed touches, which I'm getting, but the passing work that I'm hoping will increase isn't not increasing. Like the four catches, four targets last week is encouraging. Gio Bernard's not going away in the sense that he's going to be the passing downs guy and the come from behind guy, but Mixon is not not involved in the pass game. And yes, averaging less than three yards a carry was ugly against Cleveland, but the guaranteed touches makes me want to go buy some more Joe Mixon, go trade for him. But yeah, it's, it's tough when you picked him over a Josh Jacobs or an Aaron Jones at this point. Yeah. He's a high ceiling or high floor, relatively low ceiling. Number one running back. Kind of similar to Derek Henry, but Henry is better. 
and uh-huh. like could get going in the second half in a way that Mixon probably can't. But like yes, we've seen Henry be a yeah. better running back. Right. It just he's also a second half running back. I mean, Henry is a great example. Henry and Mixon both had disappointing first halves. Henry at least was like a low end number one, and then you know if you continue to get that work. Your touchdown luck could change, I guess is what I'm saying. All right, second question here. Uh, Todd Gurley, it's about Todd Gurley. It's from Russell. Is Todd Gurley done as a starter? He had 21 carries for 61 yards. He has two catches this season. Um, What do you guys think? Is Todd Gurley done as a starter? No. I'm still flexing him for sure. (laughs) Getting over 20 20 carries, 20 touches, whether they're carries or catches. Either way, he's got a chance at the end zone every single week. He's going to run a little better than his 2.9 average from week two. And yes, I'm not encouraged if he's my RB1, but I'd love to keep flexing him, and you're probably going to end up starting him at RB2 based on all of these injuries. Yeah, like he's he's getting touches. He's not he doesn't seem to be that good anymore. Uh, The passing downs work especially has been discouraging, but like we're we're talking about like James Robinson as a potential must start running back. So yeah, Todd Gurley, you're still starting him. All right, this is from Drew PR. I actually got two from Drew PR. Good ones here. Which Indianapolis pass catchers can we trust, and which Denver pass catchers can we trust? Jonathan Taylor, <laughs> pass catcher. That's it. Yeah, T. Y. Hilton, Hilton and nobody is, and even T. Y. Hilton like. What a dud. He dropped and he, he it wasn't a, a super easy touchdown, but it, it was a should have been like 44 yard touchdown uh, over the shoulder grab, not contested. He just, just dropped it. He's had three drops in the first three games or first two games, I think. And uh, if he catches that, things look a lot different mm-hmm. for him. Uh, so I would still go with Hilton. Beyond that, nobody in Denver. I like Noah Fant in Denver. No, Fant. I do like yeah. Noah Fant. Yeah, I'm curious about Fant. So I know he had a good game with Driscoll, but if Locke's going to be out two to six weeks, and what does that mean for Noah Fant? But Sutton being out is obviously huge for him. And like I said, Hamler in deeper leagues, I, like Judy will be, Judy will get his targets. He'll be fine. Just this is going to be a bad offense. Yeah, that's the <laughs> thing. I, I don't think you can trust Judy as a starter. He's got to yeah. prove a lot because he hasn't done it yet. Mo Ali Cox, how about him? If, if Jack Doyle's out again, you got to give Mo Ali Cox. Doyle's out. Cox will be in my top 15. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it was a good sign that like he had a costly turnover or uh, costly. It wasn't officially considered a drop, but like a pass hit him in the chest and it was intercepted and uh, they still went back to him quite a bit. Um, so that was a good sign. If Doyle's out. I, yeah. I think Moali Cox is probably someone you're starting in week three. And Wes Purcell wants to know, should I trade Alvin Kamara and receive Deandre Hopkins? No, no, Probably not. But, okay, you've got Michael Thomas out. You've got Adams injured. Is DeAndre Hopkins the number one wide receiver in fantasy right now? And not in be, terms of fantasy. Kamara is the number one running back in fantasy, if not number two. I'd go, yeah, I'd go Zeke, I guess. But my uh... who, who, like, if you were drafting today, right now, who would the first wide receiver off the board be? Like literally right now when we haven't gotten an update yeah. on Devontae yeah, yeah. Adams. Uh-huh. Like right, literally right this yes, second, right now. maybe DeAndre Hopkins. But by okay. the time this public podcast publishes in a couple hours, we could get a 
No, Devontae Adams is fine. Don't worry about it, guys. Like, he was standing on the sideline with his helmet. Uh, he was talking to the trainer. They were up by two or three scores at the time. It seemed like he could have gone in if they needed him to. So my assumption is Devontae Adams will be fine, obviously. I'm not Devontae Adams, so I can't say that for certain. But uh, I would still take Devontae Adams over DeAndre Hopkins. What about that Tyreek Hill, though? Has, has, has Hopkins moved ahead of Tyreek Hill? He has for me. Yeah, I don't know. Like, has Tyreek Hill really lost much value? No, but obviously, I don't think so obviously, it's, Hopkins gained a lot, right? Yeah, I think in PPR, I would. I think we just got to take that L on on DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, oh yeah, I've taken like, it. We just we just screwed that up. Not Dave. DeAndre Hopkins was available in the third round in a lot of leagues, and that's just that was. It seems stupid to me at the time. Uh, turns out, it really, really was. Now, Dave was Dave was the one who was the highest on Hopkins. So hats off to to him. All right, let's look at some snap count stuff, some interesting stats. Let's go through it here. Um, Miles Gaskin just dominated running back snaps for the Dolphins. He's not going to get the goal line work, it seems. Jordan Howard's going to do that, unfortunately, or maybe that will change. Like, I did see Gaskin in there inside the 10-yard line, so he could have some opportunities, but he's, like, rostered in 20% of leagues. That's definitely someone you want to look at. Uh, Gus Edwards had one carry in the first half. He had five carries with less than six minutes left. At the time, it was 33-16. to 16. So really, when the game really counted, I would say my interpretation is Mark Ingram was the lead back for the Ravens. That might change next week, but I do think that's worth just mentioning. that Because Edwards ended up with 10 carries to Ingram's 9. Dobbins had 2. But most of it for Edwards was late in a blowout. What was really interesting was Dobbins actually played the same number of snaps as Edwards. I think it was 20 each. Uh, only six of Dobbins came on rushing plays, hmm. which usually the the passing downs guy is someone that we actually you know start to value more. But in Baltimore's case, because Jackson's such a dynamic runner, they don't throw to their running backs all that much, so it wouldn't really be that valuable of a role. But it is, it has been pretty close to a, you know, it was a pretty close to a 30-30-33 split yesterday. All right, I'm gonna read you just like a snap count or usage stat, and you just give me a quick reaction. Here we go. Josh Kelly had two carries inside the five. That gives him three this season compared to zero for Austin Eckler. Eckler needs Herbert at quarterback so he can catch passes. Otherwise, he's not an RB1. I think he's an RB1 either way. I just think Joshua Kelly might be a top 15 back also. He's fifth in running back carries right now, I'm pretty sure. Julian Edelman, 48% of New England's air yards. Um, Give me a reaction to that. He's more than a flex in non PPR and PPR. I want to start him in both. Yeah, he's he's looks different so far. Yeah, he looks great, and he's a reason why I don't yeah shouldn't necessarily look so much into snap counts on a week to week basis because his snap count was very low in week one. But they didn't really need him. They threw twenty passes, and Cam Newton ran yeah. a ton. So we'll keep an eye on what we expect the scores to be in Patriots games, and maybe that will dictate Edelman's usage. Uh, Chris Herndon blocked on 36.4% of snaps. That was the most in the NFL, I'm assuming, for a tight end. Yes. And he only played 74% of the snaps. And Adam Gase did say they needed him against that pass rush. But Chris Herndon did not... He spent a lot of time blocking. They were missing, like, three starting defensive linemen after the first quarter. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know, man. Like, it's just the Jets are a mess. I thought Chris Herndon uh, was a breakout candidate. Hopefully he still can be, but at this point... You know, there was one league where I drafted him. He was my only tight end. Whoops. Mm. Uh, that's bad. 
Logan Thomas ran around on 86.8% of dropbacks, and he gets Cleveland this week. I'm still looking to have him. I don't want to drop him. I am discouraged by how inaccurate Haskins is when he throws at him, but he is throwing at him a ton. Nick Boyle had more snaps, a lot more snaps than Mark Andrews. It happens. Happened a lot last year. Yeah. Uh, Julio Jones dropped a 41-yard touchdown catch or pass from Russell Gage. I have both of them in one league. Yeah. That would have been nice. Yeah, that was... Um, one, we're probably talking... like We, we talked about on FFT on HQ today. Um, you know, is Calvin Ridley the number one running wide receiver in Atlanta? And the answer is maybe, but who cares? Because Julio is going to be awesome. And nobody would be even thinking about Julio Jones if he just catches that pass. There was no excuse for him to drop it. It was just a bad play. Uh, and Russell Gage would, I think he'd be a top 12 wide receiver in fantasy uh, through two weeks if that play had gone through. Uh, LaVisca Chenault played 10 snaps in the backfield. Has played through two weeks. Sorry. Oh, through two weeks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That um, he's they're looking to get him the ball in any diff any way they can. I think it it's definitely a big deal. Okay. Uh, let's talk about wide receiver or running backs lining up out wide or in the slot. David Johnson's done it twenty five times. Joe Mixon twelve. Malcolm Brown sixteen. How about that. David Johnson twenty five times lining up wide or in the slot. Joe Mixon 12 times, Malcolm Brown 16 times. The Mixon one, like the, like we were talking about earlier, if Zach Taylor wanted to use him that way, he is fully capable of being a dynamic playmaker in the in the passing game. You know, there was the the Jason Luck and Forrest story before the season where, you know, he said Joe Mixon could be the Christian McCaffrey of the AFC. I think the skill set is there. And we saw a little bit of that in the first half against Cleveland. He had that one uh one play where he, you know, basically ran a route out of the backfield. It, you know, basically was like a slant out of the backfield, and he took it for 18 yards. It was a great play. And on the next play, they motioned him out wide. I think it was the, I want to say CJ Uzama scored a touchdown on that play, but it was Joe Mixon split out wide, and you know the ball went to that side of the field. It's just a question of whether Zach Taylor is going to trust him there, and I don't think you should believe it, but if he does, Mixon does have high upside. Okay, I'm just going to pick one more here. David Montgomery has three runs, had three runs yesterday of 10 plus yards. I think they were all in the fourth quarter. He got 50 of his yards in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. He had only 16 carries of 10 plus yards in all of 2019 and he had three of them yesterday. He looks really really good. A lot better than I remember seeing him all of last year. Yeah, he was one of those, uh, you know, slimmed down, got in the best shape of my life, guys. And he couldn't be worse than he was last year running the ball. And one of the things with David Montgomery that I think got overlooked a little bit, he actually was seventh in the NFL in air yards amongst running backs last season. And on a per-target basis, he was actually number one among anyone who had at least 25 targets. His average depth of target was about 3.7 yards, which doesn't sound like much, but for a running back, that's a big number. And his touchdown catch in the first first or second quarter yesterday was a downfield throw. It wasn't a designed one. It was a Trubisky scramble, but you know he caught it about eight to ten yards down the field and then made some plays. Um, yeah, I'm happy I have him. Valuable role if yeah. he can be an effective player. That is a really, really valuable role the way Matt Nagy uses their running backs. Yeah, if he's your flex, you know that's that's a win right now on yeah. David Montgomery. 
Uh, and Aaron Jones leads the NFL in red zone targets with six. Aaron Jones, ladies and gentlemen. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm going to read a few emails before we get out of here. Richard from California. Dear Ed, Warren, Ray, and Edgerin. Oh, I know them. Those are Hurricanes legends. What'd you say, Chris? Talking smack? Supreme Court justices. Supreme Court justices. Oh, sorry, sorry. They're players from the, the worst uh, college football team in the city of Miami. Oh, I'm sorry. You mean the 12th ranked Miami Hurricanes? That that worst There's team? only 11 teams playing right now. We took your best We took your best player. He transferred to Miami because he didn't want to play for that stinking, that stinking FIU. Congratulations on your kicker. He's the kicker. I have Saquon Barkley. I'm very thin at running back. I have Josh Allen and Cam Newton. Um, let's see. I, it's a 14 team dynasty league with standard scoring. Which of the two should I trade and who should I try to get? Give me running backs. Is Josh Allen and Cam Newton make a trade for this guy? Make a trade for Richard. Get rid of Cam. I'd like to hold on to Josh Allen, especially in dynasty. Can you send Cam for David Johnson? I just, I want, I need better than that. Got, be better than David Johnson for Cam? Well, I'm not a David, David Johnson, Johnson might guy. be a number one running back right now. I'm not a David Johnson guy, but um, I um, I would like I would try to get Mixon. I don't think you can do it straight up. You might be able to get Mixon for Allen. I would do that. And that that's what it comes down to is which which one can I get the the biggest upgrade at? If I could get you know a Mixon for uh, Josh Allen, I would do that because I, you know, I do think Josh Allen's probably going to be better than Cam Newton, but probably not definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt and NorCal, I've been offered Julio Jones for Calvin Ridley straight up in PPR. What should I do? Take it. You'd rather have Julio? I'd rather have Julio. I don't see any reason to do it one way or the other. I don't see any reason for either. This is the kind of trade that like, it's a 50-50 thing, and if you make it, maybe you feel good about it, but most likely they're either it's either a wash or you feel bad about it. And, and so I just I don't like the position for position two guys in the same tier uh, trade. I, I think Julio and, and Calvin Ridley are pretty close. You know, Calvin Ridley has 21 oh. touchdowns in his last 30, his first 31 games. Julio Jones has 21 touchdowns in his last 61. 
Last email here's from Nicholas. What do you think about Miles Sanders and David Montgomery for Alvin Kamara? Even deal. Man, my, my thought I is would like rather have the Sanders Montgomery yeah. side unless I've got, you know, if I've got like five four running backs who I feel good about, then I'll take the the upgrade. But I, I yeah. think Sanders is an elite running back. I just want depth this year. Like if, if we're gonna see a lot of injuries this year, running back depth is gonna be the most valuable thing. So um and the way Montgomery's looking, yeah, and twenty three touches for Miles Sanders. All right, I'll do one more. I lied. Half PPR grade the trade from Michael. Give up Allen Robinson and Zach Moss. Allen Robinson and Zach Moss get Devontae Parker and Melvin Gordon. I Robinson's love, I love better it. than Parker, but I, I think I would. I, love I think it. that might be a, a B. I think Gordon's going to be better than Moss, even with you know Driscoll. I think Driscoll actually might be good for Gordon. All right, flip it this way, Chris. Allen Robinson or Melvin Gordon? Uh, Robinson. And Zach Moss or Parker? I think Parker by a mile. Okay, I think they're very close. Yeah, I, and like Parker I Robinson over Melvin. Parker looks exactly as good as he did at the end of the second half last year. He has been. We talked about it on that Twitch stream before yesterday's games, Adam. But he's basically been a matchup-proof uh-huh. number one fantasy wide receiver for like the last ten or eleven games, going back to last season. Obviously, week one, he only had the four catches for three yards. That was in the first half, and that was with Stephon Gilmore shadowing him. And he was on pace for, you know, a 15 fantasy point game. He goes up to, what, 15 yesterday against Tredavious White. I just, I think Devontae Parker's got to be viewed as a top 20 wide receiver at least. Yeah. The question is, will he be if they go to Tua? But I just, I'd do this just to get Melvin Gordon over Zach Moss. Um, and uh, I, last thing I'll say is, I, there were a number of wide receivers I was worried about yesterday with tough matchups. And they all came through. And that's just weird. I mean, they all came through. Terry McLaurin had a massive game. DK Metcalf had a huge game going up against Gilmore the entire time. Devontae Parker scored. Stefan Diggs had a big game. Byron Jones left with an injury. Yeah. Um, there was one more. Uh, Stefan Diggs looks like he looks like one of the best wide receivers in football. He right can now. do that. He can do that. Like, he uh, might be a top ten guy right now. But they all just crushed these tough matchups. Um so maybe that's just a sign of the times and it's a good time to be on offense right now, but thought that was interesting. I want to thank Chris and Ben. We'll talk to you tomorrow with the waiver wire. Make sure you listen to fantasy football today in five quick five minute episode. First thing in the morning, uh, go ahead and subscribe to that anywhere. Spotify, Apple, wherever, wherever you listen, go for it. All right, we're out of here. See ya. Bye. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.